Anything combat with Johnny K. But it's anything combat though. Welcome back, combatants to the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K. And today we've got a special guest. He's number eight, episode 85. He's a Muay Thai and kickboxing legend. He was the Bellator kickboxing champion. He was the WBC Muay Thai welterweight and lightweight division champion, where he defended both belts. He was the FIDAM champ, USMF champ. He was the Lion Fight champ. He was the World Muay Thai Council champ. He's a, he's a, as I said, he's a Muay Thai kickboxing legend. Please welcome Kevin Ross to the show. How are you today, Kevin? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me. All good. So my first question for you is, do you have any desires to go back to fighting? Not, not really kickboxing or Muay Thai, but if there was an opportunity for you to do maybe a karate combat up against another legend or some boxing match, would you take that opportunity? Uh, I can't say I have any real desire to fight anymore. I mean, I, I really did have such a long and, and great career, and I don't feel like I have any unfinished business or anything. You know, I mean, I really was getting to that or had gotten to that point when I was just fighting because I love to fight, you know, and I'm always going to love to fight. But whether it was worth it to me to continue sacrificing what I needed to and, and, and putting all that stuff on the line, uh, you know, it just got to that point when it, it wasn't it wasn't worth it to me anymore. You know, I mean, I love to fight. I'll always love to fight. It's fun for me. I mean, I still train and, and work out with all the guys and, and girls. But um, as far as fighting goes, I can't see that ever being a possibility. Now, if some crazy thing happened and it was the right person and the right the right amount of money and, and stuff like that, maybe. But I, I don't I don't see that ever happening. How long did your ACL take you out for? Uh, nine months and one week. What was that recovery like? Uh, was that was that painful mentally for you to sit out for long? Because usually when I talk to fighters, they'll break a hand, they'll break their face, they'll break their foot, and they'll say, I, I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of the most difficult ones because it was my ACL. You know, like I've had so many injuries prior to that, but they were all hands, my face, my skull, things that I could work around. You know, but when it's uh, your ACL, you're really, you're really limited on what you can do. But I was, I was in the in the gym, standing on one leg, punching the bag, and working on my balance and stuff. You know, there obviously there's always something you can do, and and that's what I did, and I think that's what allowed me to heal heal so quickly and get back in there and, and get right back to where I was because I I really didn't take any time off. Um, I was just smart about it, you know. When I researched you, I saw that there's a lot of content with you in it about mental health. So when did you start taking a real um, serious uh, viewpoint at this topic and really just um, figure out everything that was going on with you? I think when I started training, you know, and, and started getting into fighting, that's when I, I turned my life around and it really it was just so apparent to me what, what what contributes to a healthy mindset physically, mentally, emotionally, and, and what doesn't. And, and so many of those aspects we have, we do have control over yet. So few of us uh, take, take control of it, you know, and, and, and even now I know that training for me is what keeps me mentally healthy, you know, whether it's 
training for fighting or tr- just working out or even going for a run or going for a walk. If, if I don't do those things on a regular basis, I can, I can feel that weight of the world and, and everything else just, just start to uh, weigh me down, you know? So it's, it's, it's something that I'm always going to do. And it's something that kind of always have to do it. You're never, you're never at a place where you're just healthy for the rest of your life with anything, you know, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's an unending process. And the sooner you realize that the, the, the sooner you're going to take action in those things that'll keep you healthy. Did you feel fulfilled with your achievements and your career or did you still want more out of it? Oh, I mean, I was, <laughs> I know, you know, I never thought I was even going to have one fight and then I fought for 20 years and had something like 75 fights. So for me to even think that there was more I wanted to do and didn't do, I have zero regrets. You know, I, I live, live so much longer than I ever thought, did so much more than I ever thought. I, I mean, I really had like three different careers when I look at it, like everything that led up to blowing my knee out and like that was one career then coming back from that was a whole nother career and then when I switched over to uh, Bellator and started doing kickboxing that was like the third stage of my career so I've had all these careers and all these different generations have come and gone you know so I don't don't regret anything I don't think there's anything else I, I could have done when did soul assassin become a thing that was given to me my very first professional fight. Um, I fought in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I went out there. I fought this guy. He was something like 20 and one, and uh, they brought me out there on, I think it was like two weeks notice. So they were bringing me out there to lose, obviously, and help get this guy's uh, confidence back up because his only loss was the one right before he fought me. Um and then uh, we ended up having this crazy, brutal bloodbath of a fight, and I ended up knocking him out in, the th- I believe it was the fourth round. He actually quit on the ground because he just was a wreck. And um, this guy, as I, I was, as I got out of the ring and I was walking to the back, this gentleman that was in the crowd came up to me, and, and he said it, it looked like I assassinated the guy's soul because he could just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and then he said, that's what my nickname should be. What? But you know, he was, he didn't speak the greatest of English, but that, that's what he was trying to convey to me. And, and that just stuck because of just the way that I am, the way that I fight. I mean, every time I go in there, it was, that was kind of my mentality was to break people's spirit. And uh, I knew that my spirit would never break. So I always felt like that was a, that was more of a competition to me than the actual technical aspect of it. It's usually the same fighters that get into wars. I've kind of realized this after watching kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai and MMA. Like uh-huh. when you watch a Tony Ferguson fight in his prime, every single one's a bloodbath. When you look at all the Cain Velasquez fights, all of them are a bloodbath. So do you think that your style kind of tended to the fact that your fights were brutal every single time. Yeah, I mean it. It's just <laughs> it's kind of just the, my personality, you know, where I'm just going to keep going forward no matter what happens, and it, it you kind of re- you really do force people to get into a fight with you, you know, instead of standing right in, in front of each other and waiting and feigning and 
doing things like that that are a lot more technical, I would say. I just have more of that forward pressure. I'm going to go forward and I'm never going to stop. And you got to do everything you can to stop me. And that just contributes to a lot of bloody war fights, you know, which I love, you know, and that's the kind of fighting I always loved coming up, you know, when I was a kid, like Arturo Gatti was one of my favorite uh, boxers when I was a kid and watching fighting and stuff. And to me, that, that style of fighting, it speaks so much more to people because, you know, like, like to be one of the greats, technically one of the greats, like a Mayweather or a Michael Jordan or whatever, like that's, that's such a specific thing, but to, to not only be a, a good fighter, but to be able to keep going when everything is, is, is pointing against you, when you're broken, when you're knocked down like that, I think that's a, something that uh, resonates with people more, more on a life lesson than just a fighting lesson. As I said, like, like a Mayweather makes you want to be a great fighter. Right. But, but something about uh, the, the guys I like to fight, like that makes you just want to pick yourself up when you get knocked down, regardless of what it is you're facing anything in life. It could be any, any aspect of life. Like we all get knocked down. We all deal with, with really difficult things. And uh, the people that are willing to get knocked down and get back up over and over and over and over. Those are the ones that are going to be uh, successful in the long run. Do you find it hard if someone's in the street talking shit to turn on the kickboxing because you've had such a lengthy career or do you think it's kind of easy? You're just like, okay, I'll just get rid of this guy in like five seconds and then go on my day. <laughs> well, I don't find myself in uh, a lot of bad situations like that. I mean, I think, I think one understanding where those situations tend to happen keeps you out of a lot of them. I mean, a lot of, a lot of that stuff we do have a lot of control over and we, we might not be aware of it, but we, we put ourselves in those circumstances that are going to uh, contribute to getting into physical altercations. Plus I think um, just everyone has a certain energy about them, a confidence or, or lack of, and, and certain, uh, personality types draw that out of people a lot. You know, when I was younger, that I drew that out of people a lot because people always wanted to get into fights with me. I, I was never someone that did that, but I think just the way you carry yourself um, after you've been in this sport or even doing martial arts in general, I think I think those people tend to get in way less confrontations because they have a better understanding of it. You know, it's like if someone comes up to you and is talking shit to you, it's like having a little kid talk shit to you like okay. <laughs> all right you know i'm not gonna have like this emotional response like you're really threatening me with words right but normally when when you when you don't have that kind of training and you don't really understand real violence and physicality uh we we have this automatic emotional response and you know people get into a lot of stupid confrontations because they let their egos drive them you know, where it's like someone's just running their mouth. I'm like, all right, good for you. What do you want? You know, m most of the time you'll find that the people that are, are talking shit don't actually want to get in a fight. They just want to uh, impose their, their bully mentality. But as soon as you don't break to that, you know, a lot of times that, that'll dissolve the situation. Do you think bodybuilders put on muscle to look scary so they look like they can fight? I think, I think a lot of people do things to try to look scary. Uh, 
uh, and intimidate and certainly being big and jacked and, and all that stuff will uh, do that until you deal with someone who actually does know how to fight. And most of the time they're not big or jacked. And, uh, but uh, yeah, when it comes down to just your general person, uh, somebody that's bigger and stronger is always going to be able to uh, beat up somebody that's not until they've had some training. After researching your career, I saw the highlights from your prime and I kind of thought to myself, this dude's like ultra lean. So then after going on your Instagram scrolling, it said that you were known for your conditioning. So why did you focus on such, um, why was there such a heavy emphasis on the cardiovascular aspect of the fight game? And how did you get so lean? Um, so my very first fight, I got destroyed <laughs> because I completely gassed out. And I mean, that, that had more to do with it being my first fight and not knowing how to control myself, but I was forced to see the importance of having good cardio and being in shape. Like it doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't function, you're worthless, you're useless. Um, so from that day forward, my cardio and my conditioning was always one of my top priorities, especially going up against the guys that I competed the majority of my career. I mean, they had so much more experience than me, so many more fights than me, that so many more years in the game. Like, what is one thing that I can control to make up for that lack of experience? And that was, I can push myself harder than anybody else. I know that I can keep going no matter what. I know that you can't break me physically like that. And that was always that base that I had that allowed me to, to push so much harder than most, where most people would break and quit. You know, though that's where I would get comfortable and feel really good is that point when, like we all get to a point where we want to hold ourselves back when we get tired, and, uh, whether it's subconscious or not. Um, so I was always trying to find where my line was like that, like trying to break myself continually in training. So that way no one could ever break me inside the ring. Uh, and that's, I would say one of the uh, key factors that allowed me to do the things that I did and fight the people that I did, as well as have the length of the career that I did. Um, as far as being lean, I, I've, I was always super, super skinny, but scrawny, you know, like when I first started, I was just like skin and bones and, you know, I didn't have any muscle definition whatsoever. It wasn't until I started working with a good uh, strength and conditioning coach, Norm Turner in Vegas, that he really started uh, helping me develop and develop in a way that contributed to my style. You know, like, yeah, I could get big and strong, but that, that would slow me down and um, not, not let me be as, as fast and explosive. So it's being able to find that balance for whatever your, your body type is, your personality type, just the way that, that you go about things. Some people like to lift heavy weights and, and get really strong and, and big. And, and some people don't lift weights ever and, and just run and use conditioning and cardio. And that's really just a, a personal preference. What can you tell me about your experience in Thailand? Also fighting Muay Thai as a foreigner, like going into the country, how were you treated? And what was that like for you being from, um, you know, the Western world entering the East? Yeah, it was it was intimidating to say the least. I mean, when I first, the first time I went there, um, I got dropped off at this camp where there weren't any foreigners, nobody spoke any English, 
it was in this back alley, just like no, you'd never find it. Um, I didn't know where I was. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't ask for help. And it was just like, you, you got to go in there and prove yourself, you know? And, and what I, what I've always known is you just have to show that you won't quit. You know, that's always the big, cause it's not about your skill level, right? Anybody can have skill. It's who's willing to keep going when their body's broken down and they can't function anymore. Um, and so the first time I went there, it's like, we went for a run, uh, I was hitting the bag and then the trainer calls me up to get in the ring and hit pads with them and the whole gym, everyone there stopped what they were doing and came over to the ring and was watching me. And I'm just like this fucking white kid from America. That's like, shit, I was 20. I don't know what I was 20, 28, 29. You know, most, most of them are retired by then. And I'm just, just getting started, you know, but I could see the looks. I, I, I knew what they were thinking. And I knew that before even going over there. And that was one of my top priorities was to uh, gain their respect, you know, and, and to show them that I'm not just some American that's over here like, oh, yeah, it'll be cool to go to Thailand and hang out and do some fights and maybe go fight a cab driver or whatever, like, like a lot of people do. I was like, I'm here to do the real shit. You know, I'm going to train right alongside with you. I'm going to do everything you guys do. Um, and I, after that first day, I mean, they, they welcomed me. Uh, like I'd been there for, for years. And uh, that's what I always loved about the Thai people, the Thai fighters. It's like, if you, if you show that you have that heart and that um, determination and, and discipline, you know, it, do, it doesn't matter where you're from or what you do, what you look like. It's like, are you doing the same thing? Are you willing to put that same thing? Are you willing to sacrifice what I'm sacrificing? And if you're willing to do that, you're, you're right along here with me. Um, and that, uh, that was a really great feeling to 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 be welcomed like that in, in such a in such a place. Do they have it all figured out the ties because they do retire a little bit early and they do start at like I've seen I've seen sometimes they start at eight years old sometimes oh. uh, fifteen. Do they have it figured out from that aspect? Because I've seen a lot of foreigners such as even your Eddie Absolo, who I see that's uh, on your Instagram every so often. Um, Eddie, Eddie's also a friend of the show. He's a great guy. That guy's a legend. And he's a US fighter. He's a Muay Thai fighter, just like yourself. And I've, I've seen the Muay Thai fighters that are a little bit older from other countries entering Thailand and still find some decent amount of success. But, the the ties have just got a completely different philosophy and mindset for what they're trying to achieve and how they go about doing it. So do you think they have it figured out or do you think there's still room for improvement? Uh, I mean, there's always room for improvement in everything. The ties certainly have it figured out as far as what their goals are and, you know, the way that they fight, why they fight. I mean, so much of the majority of what they're fighting for is for money, for their families, you know, that's why they start so young. So they can, they can start competing. They can start earning money. I mean, it's, it's a job, you know, where very few people in other parts of the world go into fighting as a job, you know, like, like this is going to be my job. You know, it might be eventually you might get there, but that's very rarely would that be someone's uh, sole motivation 
Um, but now you're seeing uh, certain things, certain fights where uh, guys in other countries more often are finding that success, like you talked about, where before it was very, very rarely you would see a foreigner beat a, a tie, uh, especially at the high, high levels, you know, like one in a million types of people. But more and more frequently that's happening um, because there are other aspects of the game. I mean, experience, you know, you can't you can't you can't make up for that experience level, but, but there's other ways around it. There's always something you can do to make up for uh, where you're lacking. Uh, and for myself, you know, it's like, I knew I couldn't make up for that lack of experience, but what can I make up for? You know, what areas can I put my time and energy and focus into that can help even come close to making up for my lack of experience. And now you're seeing that happen uh, more frequently. Um, and it's going to, I think help. I think it helps evolve the game and change the game because now you're having um, other countries be a threat to that that high standing that the ties have really held on their own for for so long. What was your hardest fight of your career? Was the fact that did the ties give you the hardest fight every single time? Because the Wikipedia, when I was researching you, I saw that every time it was like an Italian flag, it would be like W, 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 right? And then every time it's like um, like a tie flag or or like a very good tie fighter, it would they would be your main losses. You know what I mean? So do you think that the ties always gave you the hardest fight? Yeah, but it's not just because they were Thai. I mean, the Thais that were fighting were legends of the sport, you know, like Sanchai and <laughs> Sakadal and guys like that, like Lumpini champions. Um, so that obviously contributes to why they were the more difficult fights. Um, but I would say that difficulty is a kind of a subjective thing. Like difficult, why? I mean, some some were difficult because of their uh, technical abilities. Some were difficult because I was, I got an injury or a cut, or uh, maybe I was sick going in. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that contribute to, uh, uh, difficulties. Like one of my diff most difficult fights was my fight with, uh, Tomahawk Thompson, but that's cause I had a busted rib going into it. And, and there was so much on the line going into that, but then it ended up being one of my best fights I ever had because I was forced to overcome that, um, that injury and, and that weakness in myself. But as far as, yeah, from a technical standpoint, certainly the ties were always the more technically difficult. Why did you compete in MMA? Uh, so I only had one MMA fight and this was, I don't even know what year this was, but um, I couldn't get any fights at all. I was just having the most difficult time. I kept, I was having, fight after fight after fight fall through and it, it was it was getting really really frustrating you know i'm like i'm sacrificing everything to do this sport and i don't even get to do it you know i think this was uh around 2009 i would say um and uh a lot of the people i trained with were fighting in the ufc they were fighting in pride they were all they all were doing mma you know and they were constantly like why don't you do mma why don't you do mma um and you know it was just the biggest reason for me was I just didn't have the love for MMA like I do for Muay Thai. Muay Thai is everything to me. It's my my heart, my passion, it's my soul. You know, I love I love fighting in general, but nothing comes anywhere close to uh, Muay Thai for me. So that was always that was always a big uh, reason for it. And I felt like 
if I'm not going to keep pushing this, who, who is going to? There's so few fighters from America that were even close to competing on the, the world stage. You know, it's like if I'm going to pass this off and try to go do something because I can make more money, um, you know, what does that say? Like I'm, I'm handing off my responsibility to the next generation. Uh, I just I couldn't do that. And um, at the time, so at the time I had that MMA fight, I'd actually never really even trained in MMA <laughs> except for like a month prior to that fight. After that, I started doing it more regularly and, you know, it became part of something that I really enjoyed to do. But that was just a fight to stay busy. You know, and I know that staying busy in the ring is more important than only ever fighting Muay Thai where what if you can only fight once a year? Right. So yeah, it's important to fight the style you're wanting to fight, but having any kind of physical competition is, is important and will, will uh, contribute to your style. Um, so that's why I did, I had like four boxing fights and I had those Senshao fights. I had MMA fight, kickboxing fights. I would do anything I could just to stay active and busy. And when you're from America, you're, we're over here away from all these other countries that are competing. And that's why they're all at such a high level because they get to stay active and they get to compete against each other. But we're stuck over here with nobody. And it's like, there's only so many fights you can do. And then once you become one of the better people in this country, you're kind of out of luck then. You know, it's like becoming the best in your gym. Do you want to be the best in your gym or do you want to be the best in the world? If you want to be the best in the world, you got to get out of your world and and find ways to uh, um, evolve. And that's that was part of my evolution was was to do that. You've fought in so many different skill sets and rule sets. Are you annoyed that you were never given a Lethway fight? <laughs> no i'm not really annoyed um it was one of those things that i i kind of thought about doing i'd be like yeah that'd be fun but not to the degree where i would want to sacrifice muay thai fights in order to go do that you know what i mean like i could have gone and done that for sure but i was in the middle of my career uh and and, and progressing in the sport that i love i'm not gonna take a step sideways to go do Lethway, you know, it was, it was something I thought about I might do after my careers kind of coming to an end, but I was able to stay relatively busy all the way up until the end of my career. So there was never really a, uh, an opportunity for that. And when I did finally get offers to do that, it was when I'd already retired. Do you like the headbutts? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I love, I love all kinds of fighting and every, every added or taken away weapon adds a different element to it. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, obviously Muay Thai has eight different weapons, but taking all that away and just doing boxing, it's a completely different thing, you know, and it's not, it's not necessarily easier or harder. It's just, a, it's like a different sport. It's like doing rugby versus American football. They're similar in a lot of ways, but they're so vastly different that if you called a rugby player, a football player, you probably, smack you in the head what was joe rogan like very cool very cool very down to earth um really great to talk to I, i've actually known him for quite a long time just uh casually known him you know like we've been around uh, each other over the years but being able to sit down and talk to him uh twice actually was uh really great he's really really um uh, 
down to earth guy uh, that can obviously can talk to just about anybody. Um, so being able to just sit there, it was like, it was like sitting down and having a chat with a friend, you know, it's, it's very cool. So you've lived longer than your quota. You've, uh, you were wrong. You said that you were going to live until 2000. You're wrong by, I'm looking at the time now it's 23 years. You've, yeah. uh, you've been wrong now. So can we book in a new date like 2050? <laughs> you know, ever since that day that I thought was going to be my last, I've always viewed everything as extra credit from here forward. So it's hard for me, which is good and bad. You know, it's hard for me to look to the, to the future for a lot of things because of that. But it also allows me to stay present in the moment and focus on the things that are important. And every day for me is a gift, as I think it should be for all of us, because no one knows what day is going to be their last. And, um, you know, more more likely than not, you're going to be out of here sooner than you thought you were going to, even, even if you live a lot, 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 lot longer. So uh, I'm just grateful to be here now and we'll see how long this rides out. So we brought him up beforehand, friend of the show, Eddie Abasolo. Abasolo. I really like his style, man. I really like his elbow game. Um, he fought Sidichai. That was an absolute amazing fight. And I think if they, they should do the rematch, I think that's the probably the most important part for yeah. his uh, career trajectory right now. I think he should fight Sidichai again. What do you think of that fight? And what do you think about Eddie's style? He did, man, he, I was blown away. Uh, uh, blown away in, in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, I know Eddie well. I know what he's capable of. Um, but it's like, even if you know someone's going to do something, to see him do it, to see him turn it on, to see him in the midst of the, the, the fire, and, and against someone like Sidichai, who's just fucking... Unbelievable. Yeah, I actually trained with Sitachai back in uh, shit, 2009 or something. I was in, I, I trained at Sitsong Pinong for like three months. I think he was 19 at the time. <laughs> I was uh, 29. And uh, yeah, I mean, Sitachai is a, an amazing fighter. Too. So to see, to, to see them have such a great fight was really cool to watch, you know, to see the back and forth, you know, each one had their moments. And uh, I, I, it's definitely a fight that deserves a rematch, you know, regardless of how you viewed it, how you scored it. Uh, it's one of those fights where I don't think you can complain either way that it went. And those are the kinds of fights you want to see a rematch of because, um, I mean, I think they could fight five times and every time it would be a little bit different. So, uh, yeah, I really do hope they, they put that one on and uh, give the fans a, another great show. Kevin, an interesting question for you. What's your favorite Muay Thai combination? <laughs> My favorite Muay Thai combination. Uh, I've always been a big fan of body shots followed up with leg kicks. You know, like left hook to the body, right low kick. That was that was uh, one of my favorites. It just it flows so nicely and and uh, stylistically for me. I love I love hitting the body. Um, and, you know, that's why you do see a lot of body punchers follow with leg kicks because you're you're sitting so low and, and it's right there. But I've always been a big fan of the uh, uh, body shot and people that attack the body and the legs. I kind of saw that same sequence. You said the uh, lead hook to the body and then the leg kick. I kind of saw when I was watching your fights, you would do the lead uppercut and then the, the leg kick. So is that also a go-to for you? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I like to do, uh, I like to attack a variety of heights, distances, you know, head, body, leg, uh, close, far, uh, all that stuff. Keep, uh, keep, uh, keep picking at different parts of people and, and, and uh, keeping them, keeping them active, keeping them guessing and keeping the variety going. So, you know, I like to stay busy. I like to, I like to take whatever you give me, you know, if I, I don't need to force it in there. You, you're going to give me something and I'm going to take it. And a lot of times those, those things are open. A lot of fighters that come on the show say that John Wayne Parr really influenced their style a lot. What fighters would you say influence your style the most? Uh, so the guys, uh, my favorite fighter, his name is Wong Chanoi, Sor Palengchai. He was one of my favorite fighters and he was a very heavy boxer, but, but not a boxer like, uh, say Deckers. I mean, Deckers was a boxer like Tyson was a boxer, right? I mean, just saying a boxer, what does that mean? Yeah, there's so many different styles in boxing, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was one of my more, um, influential boxers uh and i i just love the, the way that he mixed it up he uses his long reach uh, which which i had which i didn't really know that i had for a long time <laughs> that i actually have a long reach till i saw me standing next to someone and look like i got these monkey arms and uh yeah i love his fight um style but a lot of guys i would take a lot of things from stylistically didn't fight like me whatsoever you know i would just take a singular aspect of their game uh, like Bukau's left kick, love, love Bukau's left kick. And, and I would uh, study it a lot and, and implement that into my style, even though my style is so vastly different than his. And, um, you know, that's really how you end up developing your own personal style. Anyway, you, you take little bits and pieces that you like of other people and you implement them into your style, your physicality, uh, your mentality, and it's always going to come out in a, a different way. You know, you just kind of use those as um, motivation. Knees or elbows? Elbows. What do you think about the current state of Muay Thai in one championship? Do you like the direction it's going with the new guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one's just doing so, so crazy. I mean, to see what they've... They have been since they started, you know, they've, they've been on this trajectory uh, going up and up and up and up and up. And they just keep, they keep on raising the bar for everybody. And it's, it's really beautiful to see what they're doing, not just in Muay Thai, but in the MMA, in the grappling. Um, it is obviously different with the MMA gloves, but that just adds another element to the game. You know, it's, it's another, it's a different sport. It's not Muay Thai, right? It's Muay Thai and MMA gloves. So it's, call it what you want but it's it's not it's not the same like if you put those same guys in a fight with gloves on versus mma gloves it'd be a it'd be a completely different fight and the other person might come out on top so there's there's different things you can get away with uh, one versus the other and stylistically it's going to be very different uh, but it's very cool to see uh, particularly how how they've just been exploding all over the world and they're helping push the sport and yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love seeing all these guys get these opportunities that I never would have imagined would have happened. And uh, it's very, it's a very cool time in, in, in combat sport in general. How do you think your style would match up against the current era right now? Do you think that your style is kind of conducive to 
um, operating in the current era? Like, do you see a lot of people use what you were doing? Or do you think that the new generation, they're just on another level right now and it's kind of hard to compete? Well, you, you, you definitely have to make certain adjustments stylistically because of the gloves and stuff. Um, I think that, I think that my style would have made for some exciting fights, but it definitely would have uh, contributed to, to a lot of damage uh, that I would be taking as well. And I don't think my hands would have held up very well. I mean, I broke my hand three times and that's with gloves on, you know, so um, I, I certainly would have loved to do it, but uh, I think my body's happy that uh, I had retired by the time th that started picking up. Wouldn't you argue that with the big boxing gloves, you can throw harder knowing that you've got this massive glove protecting your hand. And if you just hit with the MMA glove, you can, you know, squeeze harder and your, your hands are more prepared for the, for the impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think with, when you have gloves on, you can be a little more careless. I mean, you still have to pay attention obviously, because you can still jack your hands up pretty bad. Um, but with the, uh, MMA gloves, you're, you're a lot more precise. You have to be a lot more accurate. Um, um, but at the same time, you're stylistically, you're fighting in that way. You're not just like chucking hands left and right. And, uh, if you do, you're probably, you're probably going to come out of it with a busted hand. So, uh, yeah, it just, it just changes the game. You know, like I said, when you, when it's, it's a different weapon almost, right? Like, like when you take elbows away, when you add elbows, when you take the size of the gloves away, um, it's, it's, a, you're changing the weapons that you're using. Um, and that's going to apply to a completely different style, different things you got to worry about, different things you have available to you. Um, and it clearly uh, contributes to exciting fights. What was your favorite championship title? My favorite? Yeah. Um, you know, I actually never really gave a shit about titles. They were just something to have, uh, you know, something to shoot for certainly. And, um, you know, but it's such a, uh, there's so many more things that go into whether somebody's good or not, regardless of whether they have belts. But the, the only one that really mattered to me or, or mattered a lot to me was that fight with Thompson, um, because uh, obviously who he was, the injuries going in, it being line fights first ever world title. Uh, there was a lot of reasons that made that fight and that title so important to me, you know? And then uh, one of the biggest ones was when I moved up North uh, after I blew my knee out and I moved up to CSA, uh, I had told the Kyrian, the, the head trainer there that I would, I would bring him a world title. Uh, so to be able to do that, particularly after coming off such a horrible injury and having to restart my career and then everything that happened going up to into that, that just made that so uh, important to me. Um, but again, I could give a shit about a, a belt, but it was important for me to get win for him, you know. How often are you training nowadays? I train every day. Uh, well, I would say I work out every day, you know. Um, I go and move around with the guys and spar and stuff. I only do that once or twice a week, um, which is, which is good and bad. I, I mean, if I was in a place like Vegas where there's so many high level fighters, I would want to do that every single day. And I don't think that's be very healthy for me. 
right now. But, um, you know, right now I'm able to still do that uh, to a certain degree and help people and uh, train myself. So it's a good balance that I have. Who's a fighter right now at the gym that's kind of like a new up-and-comer that we don't really know about that is kind of, you know, a, a U.S. fighter that you are confident in saying that they'll have a lot of success in the Muay Thai scene in the future? Uh, well, that's hard to say because I don't uh, – everyone does MMA. <laughs> really? Everyone just yeah. does MMA? There's no Thai yeah. fighters? No, not really. Um, well, it, it it is an MMA gym. I mean, as most are now in America. I mean, if you can find a solely Muay Thai gym, they're pretty rare because most of them at least have both aspects. You know, it might be a, a, more, uh, a Muay Thai gym that also has MMA, but to find a place that's only MMA, there's there's very, very few of those left in this country. Uh, which is always nice when you get to find one and go to one because it's uh, it's such a pure thing, you know, this sport, and it's not watered down by anything else, you know. And there's good, good and bad aspects to that, but, uh, but yeah, again, there's there's very few of those left, unfortunately. Who do you think's the best pound for pound uh, Muay Thai fighter right now? There's a kind of short list. There's Superleg, Rod Tang, and Tawan Chai. There's um, there's not that many. Um, at the very, very, very uh, top that you can kind of point to because they've kind of all fought each other for yeah. because all of them are great, but you can't give one um, the number one spot because they've already like lost to the others. So um, who would you give it to? Personally, I think I think Tawanchai is the is probably the best Thai fighter I've seen in the current era. Yeah, I mean he's certainly the best from a technical aspect. You know, I mean, he's, he's the most, he's the sharpest, uh, he, he, he balances all of that out at the, such a crazy, like to watch him fight is like, it's so beautiful. It's like crazy, you know, to see, cause he's so calm and he's so sharp. Um, yeah, I would say he's, he's definitely way up there. Um, it'd be hard to, you know, those guys that are, are up there, like you said, so many of them are interchangeable. And again, just because you put them up against each other and one person wins. Yeah. You can say, well, he won the fight. So he's, he's the best, but he won the fight on that day. Like you, what you really have to do is have him fight like 10, 10, 20 times <laughs> together. And then who comes out on top, you know, which is what they used to do back in the day in the eighties and nineties and in the golden era of, of Muay Thai, those guys would fight constantly, constantly, same people over and over and over again. And, and most of the time, it was a back and a forth thing. Each time, a, a different guy would win because, you know, fighting isn't something you can you can't re- replicate that because there's always different variables that come into play. In MMA, there's a short list of Muay Thai style fighters, and everybody kind of points to the Cowboy Cerrone style that has really influenced so many different fighters for their Thai style entering MMA. So when you worked with them. What was he like as a person? And also, what would you kind of score his uh, tie style? Like, were you impressed with what he could do? Uh, so, Cowboy's cool, man. He, he's he's such a unique individual. And uh, I don't know if I would call his style tie style. You know, I mean, he definitely implements some aspects of, of Muay Thai. But 
that's always one of those difficult things when you talk about a good Muay Thai fighter in MMA. There, there are no Muay Thai fighters in MMA. You, like, you have to be an MMA fighter, right? So how do you, how do you compare that? You know, there's people that have good aspects of Muay Thai, like clinch, like Matt Brown's great in the clinch. You know, very, he used so many things from Muay Thai in his clinch game that, that very few people do, which is, I find shocking. Uh, but that also shows you people's lack of Muay Thai training. A lot of it is kickboxing and wrestling and jiu-jitsu, or they're getting trained by people who say it's Muay Thai, but they're really just doing kickboxing stuff, you know. So you can really see when someone does real Muay Thai training, the way they throw their elbows, the way they throw their kicks, the way they uh, use the clinch. Um, but like Cowboy, he had such a, a weird style like his kicking style was was really unique um and and really kind of his own thing which clearly did really really well and caught so many people with his his kicks and they come at different timing and from different angles it wasn't just like a thai style like power kick you know he had like that snap almost karate uh turnover uh in it um but but yeah cowboys uh i i don't look in cowboy and think he's a muay thai fighter but he can do Muay Thai, right? You know, like he has the, the skills to do that. But uh, stylistically, um, you know, there I don't know if there's there's anyone I would really point to and say, yeah, that's, that's a Muay Thai fighter doing MMA, right? That's so interesting that you brought up Matt Brown because that's my brother's favorite fighter. Yeah, well, me and Matt trained together for so long and um, he was, he loved, always loved Muay Thai. So he, he spent time time years developing especially his clinch game you know he really uh put that time and, and work in there and he, he he loves to ragdoll people in the clinch and i love to see it uh, because again you you very rarely see that you know it's either like greco style which which tie tie clinch is uh, has a lot of elements of greco in it or you see like american wrestling and then all on the ground or or uh you just see the the distance, which is more uh, kind of kickboxing, boxing centric. What was so interesting about his style, particularly in the Eric Silver fight, when I was rewatching his uh, career, that Eric Silver fight is one of the most feral fights uh, I've I've ever seen. That's that's one of the best fights, uh, hands down. He in the transitions during the jujitsu sequences and in the wrestling. He would chuck in as he would move from like half guard to full mount. He would chuck in a quick little uh, knee to the stomach as he's lifted, like yeah. just just really really interesting shit. And since then, I've only seen two other fighters really do that particular style. And I would yeah. say that would be like Benson Henderson and Shavkat Rachmanov. A lot of their styles are very similar with when it comes to the transitions that that particular yeah. part striking in the transitions and that um that's just a really creative piece of mma that matt did that i haven't seen any fighter do which is kind of implementing the thai weapons into yeah. a completely different martial art and people haven't figured that out yet yeah and i think that's the that's something that is going to elevate this game and take it to another level is once people really do start 
getting that legit Muay Thai training when people, when these guys start going over to Thailand, getting that work in or, or training with high level people. Uh, the problem being there's so few high level people to train with um, unless you do go all the way over there and, and immerse yourself in that culture because a lot of, a lot of MMA guys go over there and they train at the MMA gym, right? So they, they obviously they're going to get better, better Muay Thai training than they would not not at one but uh, when you have guys that go to like a legit hardcore straight muay thai gym that's what's really gonna change change a lot of people's game and as you said it's those transition moments where uh people aren't taking advantage of those opportunities that they would have if they understood that game a little bit more where you see those elbows and you see those knees and, and clench positions as well as just the way that you kick uh, it's a completely different thing and um, I'd like to see that it's starting to become a little more prevalent now, but you know how it's going to be in five, say 10 years from now is it's going to be a completely different thing. You know, my goals list and my to-do list, I've got learn the piano on there. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have not done a single piano lesson, nor have I even tried doing the piano so when I saw your Instagram and I was like oh there's no way he's going to be able to uh, play it well and you start playing the piano and it actually sounds quite decent I was like I'm fucking jealous of this guy what, what the fuck so so when did you start uh when did you start learning the piano I've actually never had a piano lesson in my life <laughs> you're joking fuck off that's yeah. bullshit no I swear um so my, so my sister plays piano really well, uh, incredibly well. And uh, when I was a kid, like she showed me, she showed me how to play like chopsticks or uh, uh, I can't remember what the other, they were real simple shit like that. And yeah, I'd mess around and do that. But then uh, it was actually when, um, when I blew my knee out that I started, I couldn't, I had nothing I could do. So I learned songs, you know, I, I really just, I would watch, people playing songs on YouTube and watch their hands and figure out how to do it. And so everything I've learned, I, almost every song I know I've taught myself that way just by watching people do it. That's ridiculous. Rewatching your career. I saw you take some pretty hard shots and the one that I lost it at was the flying knee. Some guy caught you with a flying knee. You, you got dropped and then you just got back up What's the hardest you've ever been hit in a professional fight? Oh, man. You know, the only one that really stands out was uh, this guy in Bellator caught me with that spinning back kick to the liver. That was fucking awful, man. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of the other ones, you know, like getting kneed in the face or whatever, it's like, yeah, you get hit, you go down, you get back up, and you get back to work even though your head's all fucked up. But getting hit in the body like that, where you just shut down completely and everything is telling you to fall down, right? And I just fucking refused <laughs> to fall down. I'm like, there's no way. Uh, there's no way I'm going to let someone hit me with a spinning back kick. I, I was so mad, too, because I'm always, like, poking fun at people that do spinning shit and, you know. No, but people that do it well, it's it's great. But so many people just kind of chuck it out there, and it's I think it's ridiculous. Um, and then he, you know, the thing was, I saw him. It was like in my mind, I saw it happening. I'm like, oh, spinning back kick. 
and then it was like <laughs> i cannot believe you hit me with that and my body was just like shutting down you know and I was so mad. I was like yelling at myself. I'm like, if you go down from this, you'll never hear the end of it. Everyone is going to give you <laughs> shit for the rest of your fucking life. And I would give myself shit for the rest of my life. So I, that was, I think that was the one thing that kept me on my feet was not wanting to hear it from myself or from anybody else. And I just like ate it. I was able to deal with it. And um, yeah, that was the only time I, that was the hardest I've been hit to where I had, a conscious thought about it. Right. You know, and very, very, very rarely do we have a, a conscious thought about it, especially if we get hit in the head, but a body is one of those ones you can think about it and you still do have a choice whether you go down or not. And, uh, yeah, I just refuse to go down. Is fighting ultimate creativity? It is to me. Yeah. I mean, I've always been an artist since I was a little kid and I find that, I have an artistic view of everything that I do, every aspect of life. I uh, see through that artistic lens, uh, and especially fighting. You know, it's it's just a phys physical creativity is all it is. Like you're painting you're painting a picture w with your body or <laughs> on somebody else's body with your body. Uh, it's that kind of uh, it's that kind of medium. And yeah, it's it's I see everything with a uh, the art the artistry behind it. In MMA, we've seen so many people throw a leg kick, it hits someone's shin, and their shin just, like, splits in half, right? We've seen this happen to Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman. They're the two most popular instances of this occurring. When I look on Twitter and stuff, I see it very often, a regional show or, like, a, a small show in MMA where – someone will break their shin. It happens way more often than people actually know because um, they're just watching the UFC. They're not watching the uh, undercards of, of a random show in Florida, right? Yeah. So how often do you see someone's shin getting split in Muay Thai? Because to be honest, after researching it, I'd, I haven't really seen too many of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, almost never. Uh, clearly things happen. And, and sometimes it's going to happen. But uh, the problem and why it happens so often in, in MMA is most of them don't condition their shins correctly and aren't used to kicking hard things every single day, repeatedly, nonstop. Uh, you, you, can't just, you can't just skip ahead and think you're going to be able to do that, right? Like it's something you develop strength over time every single day, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It's the same thing in anything you want to be good at, whether it's strength, size, um, playing the piano, art, it don't matter. You have to do it every single day, right? And you have to do a little bit more every single day and you got to push yourself a little bit more every single day. Um, the problem is so many people want to, they want to skip to the end. Like you just want to be great all of a sudden. You think you're going to be able to handle it and then you go out there and throw a leg kick like, like, like you can uh, and your body is not ready for it. You know, and that's why you see those those awful things happen. Um, the uh, one of the the bigger contributors to that I have found is a lot of people are conditioning their legs or, or their skin, I would say, but they're not conditioning the 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 bone itself. Like you have to develop bone density. If all you're doing is say killing the nerves on your shin, you're telling your your leg that it can 
kick through this thing, but the bone doesn't have the structure to do that. Right. So just cause it's like, you need pain in your life, even though we don't want it. Pain lets you know where you're at. So if you can't feel pain, it's like putting your hand on the stove. If you don't feel pain, you're going to burn your freaking hand. Right. Um, so you have to develop bone density, just like you develop, uh, or just how you did, uh, deaden your nerves over time. You have to, they have to come together. That's why it's so important to, if you're going to condition your shins to do it through kicking, not through hitting yourself with it, you need to develop that power, um, that follow through that ability to make that impact over and over and over again, just like you would in a fight. That way, when you do it in a fight, you're, 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 you're replicating that you're not sitting there bashing yourself in the shin with a bottle. You know, it's, it's counter. Uh, I find that to be very counterproductive unless you're doing both. You know, if you're doing both and yeah, okay, that, that can be helpful. But if you're not actually doing the kicks, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of kicks over years and years and years, you are going to have some serious problems. Bellator is over, man. It just got bought by the PFL. And after a while, maybe a year, two years, it's going to be completely merged. And I don't know if they're going to rename it or if they're just going to run with the PFL, but it's confirmed that Bellator's over. So yeah. you were part of history knowing that now that uh, there was, it was a small stint of Bellator kickboxing and now it's a small stint of Bellator MMA. So how important is that for you to be a part of history now that we look back and everyone's going to see that um, you were a part of this company that's now gone? Yeah, man. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for all the things I've done and uh, contributed to, uh, especially historic things like that. It was a very, it was a very cool thing to be part of, particularly at that stage in my career, you know, where I was kind of at that point when I, I felt like I'd done so much and I was like, what, what do I want? What else do I want to do? And then I was presented with this opportunity to do kickboxing, like, well, kickboxing was it's just a completely different sport, you know? So to be able to have something that uh, I was inspired to change and develop my style a differently and to have to deal with different, different rule set, different, different elements. Um, I'm, I'm very happy and grateful to have been a part of that, especially with a great promoter like Scott Coker, who's one of the best promoters I think there has ever been. And, and there's, I think there's very few people that would have anything bad to say about him which is extremely rare in the promotion world <laughs> to uh, not have people talking shit about you because uh, most promoters are assholes unfortunately um but yeah it's very cool to look back and uh, see things like that that i was able to do and to be part of and things that i never in a million years would have dreamed that i could do and you know the thing the thing was that stuff was never lost on me because I never did feel like this person in the sport. I felt like that person that just started, you know, so anytime I would do stuff like that, it was just like crazy to me. Like it's very surreal. I always had a very surreal experience every day, every, every time I stepped foot in the gym, you know, it was never lost on me uh, how special it was. So that kickboxing rule set, would you say that's when you were researching Buakau's like left kick and all of that stuff? Was that more important because the rule set had changed? 
No, you know, I, I fell in love with Bukai when he won the K1 Max title back in, shit, when was that, 2005? Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been watching him since, since then. Uh, but but when, when I did start doing more kickboxing, actually, uh, Masada was my favorite kickboxer ever just because of his boxing style and his forward pressure and um, uh, his high output. Uh, he was my favorite uh, kickboxer to watch. And stylistically, he was he was somebody I watched because like he's not a heavy, a heavy kicker like Bukawa is, but he he has good kicks, good really good low kicks, amazing boxing talent. Uh, so stylistically, I think um, he was more more of an influence on me than, than anybody. Why'd you get so many tattoos? <laughs> Why'd I get so many? I love art, man. I've always loved art, and. Uh, you know, it's just the art that I can have on myself all the time. And uh, for me, they're very addictive. Uh, you know, if, once I got one, I was, I just wanted more and more and more. But now I'm at a point when I don't really think about it or want anymore. I'm, I might one day, but uh, I don't have anything in my mind that I want to get. Why don't you have any tattoos? How about that? <laughs> I don't have any tattoos because... I feel like if I get jacked in the future, I want everyone to see the abs. I don't want like some uh, Hello Kitty tattoo on my on my stomach so people can't see the abs. That's I'm 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 gonna say that's my answer for that question. I don't have any tattoos on my abs. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't have any tattoos because I I, I to be honest, if I was gonna do one tattoo. Like I would do all of them. You know what I mean? Like if I was going to get, if I was just going to get the one, it, it wouldn't make any sense. I would have to get like a full sleeve neck tattoos like you. You know what I mean? I'd have to do that. That makes sense. That's that's a good reason not to do it. Uh, was there ever a fighter that you were scared of? I know that all fights, there's a level of fear before the fight because it's like, I'm actually going to fight in a fucking stadium full of people screaming. But <laughs> Is there ever a fighter that you were that a particular one that you were kind of afraid of? Um, Malapet certainly instilled some fear in me because one because I I had been watching him fight since I started right, and not only had I been watching him fight, but he fought two weight classes above me, so it was never like a, a thought in my mind like this is someone I'm going to fight one day. Right, because like when I started, he's already established uh, Thailand champion. He's been in America just destroying people and just decimating everyone that ever came across him. Like it was, it was always so much fun to go watch him fight because he would just blast people like it was a joke, you know. Uh, and then when uh, I got the uh, call to fight him, you know, it was just like, yeah, of course. But I, I never thought we would fight. And then. Dealing with his kicks was was a, a, a high focus of of my training. But then when when we walked together and sent a ring, I looked down at his legs and I was just like, "Fuck, man!" <laughs> like, I just remember like that so vividly, rem remembering that feeling of of like thinking about him kicking me was, you know, I was like, I I don't know if I I can deal with that, you know. But that also. <laughs> Uh, contributed to my extreme focus and uh, and how much work and time I put into developed the ability to deal with them. And then I went out and had uh, 
such an amazing fight with him. But uh, he, him, he was he was somebody I thought about um, his kicks. Uh, I think Tomahawk Thompson's spinning elbows. You know, was that was something I was concerned about because he was just like knocking so many people out with that spinning elbow. You know, and that was that was a big a uh, big um, focus in my preparation for him. But 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 pain wise and and not wanting to get hit with some Malpet's kicks. Even to this day, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, his kicks were so hard. Like, I can't even... Nobody even comes close to what what it felt like to get kicked by him. Even even in the fifth round when he was gassed out, they were hard and heavy, uh, and I just have nightmares about him kicking me. <laughs> is the sweep a signature of your game? Uh, apparently it is. I don't even know why that developed or, or what. I, I I think I just always loved him and focused on him, watched him a lot, and just learned them through repetition and from studying. You know, I didn't. Uh, I never was really shown sweeps by anybody. Actually, a lot of the stuff I do, I was never taught to do it by a coach. I just developed it over time through uh, trial and error and a lot of times by having it done to me so many times you figure you figure a lot out when people do stuff to you and you got a choice whether to uh, uh, keep getting beat up by it or, or figure out how to stop it when did you start working with uh, Gaston uh, Bolanas and um, what can you tell me about his game um, so well I started moving working with him when I moved up there, which was 2013, maybe. Uh, and I, I had gone up there maybe two or three times prior to that and, and helped him out after, uh, like he, he had just recently lost or got knocked out in one of his amateur fights and Kieran brought me up there to, to help him out. Um, but he was just like a little kid when I first started. I mean, he was with him. He was probably only... I don't know, 18. So he was, he was very green. He was, um, he had a lot of, <laughs> he had a lot of attitude. He had a big ego. And he, he still does, but it's, it's more, it's more developed, you know, through experience. Uh, before he had, he just had a massive ego because he was really, really good. And he, he started when he was a little kid and he was the best fighter in the gym. And, and then when I went up there, uh, I, it was, I felt like it was my responsibility to break him of that. Cause I, I know how, uh, detrimental that can be if it's not developed correctly. Like it's good to be confident in, in yourself and your ability level, but, uh, having a ego, a massive ego can be detrimental. Uh, and if you don't know how to learn from losses and getting knocked down and over and over and over and again, um, for me, that was, that was something that I, I know that I was able to to help him with and, and to see him develop and become uh, the older fighter, uh, the more experienced fighter and uh, more mature fighter that he is now is, has been really cool. And to watch him transition to MMA and now he's fighting in the UFC. Um, yeah, it was very, it was very cool to watch his uh, career develop. Final question. How do you deal with an over aggressive fighter? Because too many times I see people they might be technically better and they're trying to play the game, head movement, trying to move around, and they just get clipped by a guy that's thrown a 20-punch combination. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, well, one of, I would say one of the most important things to know in fighting, any kind of fighting, is how to stay in the pocket and to take damage because so much of what we learn is how to inflict damage, how to land perfect things, how to even uh, block things perfectly. But sometimes you're going to get stuck right there in front of somebody. You can't move whether you're hurt, whether you're tired for, for whatever reason. Um, and it's not something you want to learn on the job. You need to develop that and, and uh, incorporate that into your uh, skill set. So fortunately for me, I came up under a bunch of people who were way bigger than me, way, way stronger than me, way better than me, way more experienced. And I didn't have a choice but to learn how to fight them, how to not take backward steps and to keep moving forward. And, and that's what contributed to my style. And I think the knowledge of, of how to stay calm in the fire is, is a vital thing that, uh, again, it's something we can all learn and, and develop, but so few of us do because it sucks. It sucks to stand in front of somebody and get beat up and get hurt. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to go, I want to hit things and look good and look sharp and, and be fast and elusive. Um, but the, the better understanding you have, you have of standing in front of somebody, the better you will be able to be when you're actually moving and have that perfect distance. So you need to have an understanding of both ends of the spectrum. You don't need to be great at both ends of the spectrum, but you certainly need to be comfortable in both ends of the spectrum. And I, I would say that's in everything in fighting. You need to know how to hit and move just like you need to know how to stand in the pocket and take damage and minimize the damage that's happening and be able to keep your wits about you and see what's happening and, and find your opportunities for that. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show. Is there any final remarks you want to give to the fans at home or some words of wisdom if someone's watching this right now that doesn't know what to do with their life or is going through some uh, difficulties? Is there any final remarks that you can give them? Yeah, yeah, I would say to never give up. You, none of us know how long that we have. Uh, we have right now. And what are you doing with this moment? What are you doing to be better? What are you doing to be stronger? What are you doing to be smarter? What are you doing to be a, a more complete person? And uh, you keep doing that every day, every moment, every hour. And you start adding up those little victories time and time and time again. Uh, and you, you're going you're gonna to get moving in the right direction, no matter how far away it may seem. Follow Kevin Ross on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. We will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.